0: Hello and welcome to FinTech Insider Insights, I'm Ross Gallagher. In today's episode, we are asking, what does the perfect pension offering look like? Now, the United Nations estimates that the average global life expectancy today is higher than any country back in 1950, which means we're seeing a lot more of our retirement years than previous generations. That means that pension planning and offerings have never been more prevalent or important to get right. So today we've put together a panel of experts to discuss how to build a perfect pension offering, taking into account today's constraints and asking, what would you get rid of in the current process or setup? What would you keep? And what would you add to get the perfect pension offering? We'll discuss all of this and more in today's show. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere.
1: Here at 11FS, we believe in explaining FS without the BS. That's why we created our 11FS Explores series. Weekly videos that break down a complicated financial services topic into something everyone can get their head around. Such as... OnRampy Buy Now Pay Later The Cost of Living ESG Stable Points Telematics Insurance And Inclusive Design Search 11FS Explores on YouTube now. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Just add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then use simple tools like screening questions to quickly prioritise who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash fintech. That's linkedin.com slash fintech to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Okay, let's get started. And as always, I am joined by a panel of amazing guests um, who can shed some light on this very interesting topic. So first off, I'm joined by Jasper Martins, the Chief Marketing Officer at Pension B. So Jasper, welcome back to the show. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a recap on uh, B?
2: Of course, well, glad to be on the show again. Uh, yeah, B is an online pension manager. Uh, we are a leading online pension provider and in the UK, and we combine your pensions from your previous jobs into a new online plan that you can manage from anywhere, anytime, any device. So that's who we are. Awesome.
0: Sounds almost too good to be true, Jasper. But um... Oh, it is too <laughs> good.
2: No, it's not good to be
0: true. It's real. Excellent. <laughs> um, and also, look, having you back on the show, also a bit too good to be true. Uh, so delighted to have you. Um, so we have a, a FinTech Insider debut for Andy Russell, the uh, CEO of... Wealthify, you're uh, waving there, Andy, which is great. Nice start. Welcome to the show. Uh, maybe can you remind the listeners about uh, what Wealthify is, what Wealthify does, uh, particularly, I guess, when it comes to pensions? Uh, yeah, thanks
3: for having me on, Ross. Um, Wealthify are a, a digital investments manager, basically. We look after both investments uh, and pensions. We're, we, we're trying to focus on being as simple, uh, as accessible and as affordable um, as we can. Uh, we offer a, a diversified portfolio that's regularly managed by experts and you can invest from us from a little as a pound from our investments and from a little as 50 pounds from our pensions.
0: Awesome. Yeah, sounds great. And um, Andy, again, really, really great to have you and, and looking forward to sort of uh, diving into this with you as well. And another uh, FinTech Insider debut for Alex Mazer, co-founder and CEO of Commonwealth. So Alex, um Likewise, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Uh, What should our audience know about uh, you and also about uh, Commonwealth? Yeah, thanks so much for having us,
4: Ross. Uh, So, yeah, I'm the the co-founder and co-CEO of Commonwealth. Uh, We are uh, Canada's only retirement-focused fintech. Uh, We have a vision of trying to make it possible for everybody to achieve retirement security. um, And we do that through a digital platform that combines uh, retirement planning, saving, investing, and uh, guaranteed income. Uh, we reach people primarily through their employer initially, and so we serve uh, small and medium employers who tend to have been left out by the traditional retirement savings system. But most of our plan members stay with us after they leave their employer and into retirement as well. So we help them with the kind of post-retirement phase and the post-working phase uh, um, as in addition to to the initial steps in and start, in getting started to save.
0: That's really impressive, Alex, and um, such a, an important sort of mission, really. So... Um... Great to have you here, and look, thanks for uh, for coming on and, and sort of lending your insights. Um, yeah, so look, let's, uh, without any further ado, uh, let's dive in. Um, so just to uh, get us started, let's look at those aspects of the pension industry, which we sort of see as being the the, the biggest barriers and pain points currently. I suppose if we sort of go around the virtual room, how would how would each of you describe the pension industry in terms of where we are today in 2022, and I guess the markets you operate in? Maybe, Alex, if I stay with you and um, we sort of work around uh, in the opposite order to the intros.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my, my co-founder, Jonathan, and I started our business because uh, we knew that we had very high-quality pensions in our public sector and our government pensions. Um Canada has some of the best in the world. And we actually wrote a report for the World Bank, you know, about how can we bring those practices to the rest uh, to, of the world. Uh, but we're trying to figure out how, what do we do for the rest of the market that are not covered, right? We've got most nine out of 10 Canadians work for small and medium business. Most of those people don't have a retirement plan. Uh, so there's a bar- large part of the population that's underserved. Um, most of the people that do have a plan in the private sector uh, are with a legacy provider that is quite behind on technology. So we have quite an oligopolistic market. If you have a workplace plan, chances are you're with one of three large insurance companies. If you have an individual plan, chances are you're with one of five banks. And we're starting to see a little bit more competition, uh, and we're trying to contribute to that. Uh, But it's still a fairly um, sometimes sleepy and and slow-moving market.
0: Yeah, it does seem to lag maybe other areas of financial services where we've seen quite a bit of um, disruption already and probably... uh, relatively nascent in that sense Andy what are your uh, what are your thoughts
3: yeah I mean I I think I mean the pension industry has been around for uh, a fair few decades um, and it's it's been built up to make sure that it's it's secure and appropriately looks after people's assets and it's done a good job at that so far but I think as a result it's not necessarily kept up with some of the disruption we've seen in some of the maybe like the banking sector for example so it can be a lot slower um, uh, for for change and I think because of some of the language we use to talk about pensions it can be quite difficult to penetrate as well Um, people understand a bank account they can see it if they go to an ATM machine and look at a balance on there just lots of the language we use around pensions are hard and defined benefit pension schemes final salary pensions we, we, we use words that make it hard for people to access it. Um, and you know, that, I think the fact that you've got three disruptors on, on this panel show that it is starting to change, which is great. Um, and the quicker the better.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I really like that word to describe it actually impenetrable. Um, Jasper, what are, your, what are your thoughts? And I suppose um, you'll have a, a probably a quite unique insight maybe into how consumers now are starting to engage directly with pensions. Do
2: you get the sense that they're often sort of intimidated and overwhelmed? I think it's very easy to make pensions sound complicated. And it's actually very hard to make it sound simple and and, and engage your customers with them. So I think the industry, if I would describe three words about where the pension industry is today towards their consumers, I would call it antiquated, um, a lot of legacy. Uh, and frankly, laziness from 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 some of the providers to actually engage with their pension savers. Um, so I think quite quite a few pain points uh, that I would that I see that we see uh, as pension be to customers today that we really want to take out is. <sighs> why do we still have so much paperwork with regards to pensions? Like it's 2022. We shouldn't be able to send people transfer forms if they want to transfer a pension to another provider. Um, and um, um, I would say the um, um, the paperwork is the big thing. The transfer delays as a result, it can take sometimes up to six months to actually transfer a pension. Um, there's so many things in that industry where I just feel like... Um, um we've been stuck in the times and it's it's very much paper-based.
0: Yeah, and it's it's such an interesting point, Alex. It kind of brings me back to the point that you made um at the beginning about it being almost sort of oligopolistic. I think from like the end consumer perspective, it almost feels like whether it's because they've been they've felt that little bit overwhelmed because they feel that it is that bit impenetrable, or maybe there's like a a legacy almost sort of like trust there that they trust those big name providers to sort of do what they need to do in terms of managing their pensions they haven't seemed necessarily or actually to Jasper's, Jasper's point as well um maybe the the process has been so manual and so difficult that that's the reason that they haven't engaged but do you feel are you starting to feel like that's shifting a little bit you know do Do those end consumers, maybe, are they starting to feel a little bit more empowered to actually sort of figure out how to manage their pensions, maybe switch them to different providers? Um, Are we starting to see any any progress in that sense?
4: Well, I think, you know, people's expectations are being set by industries outside of retirement and pensions. And so both consumers and employers are, you know, starting to factor in the quality of the technology as part of the buying decision and starting to demand more from, from their providers. And part of it is they... If they don't have examples of what good looks like, they'll be less likely to switch. But that's <clears throat> part of the purpose of innovation is to show people, actually, you can make this much, much simpler for people and faster. And um, people, you know, the average consumer may not realize the effects of legacy technology, the negative effects on them. Uh, but as, as soon as they start to see, you know, more, more positive examples, I think we'll start to see the market shift.
0: Yeah. And I think we're starting to see it, you know, in terms of like um, other aspects, other parts of financial services that have typically been perceived as maybe being that little bit um, sort of having that higher barrier to entry in terms of knowledge and stuff like we're starting to see an uptick in sort of retail day trading through apps like Robinhood and free trade and um, that type of thing. So it's a really, really salient point to say that, you know, whether it's sort of like adjacent parts of financial services or other industries, people's expectations are being um, shaped in terms of how they engage with pensions and, and, and other parts of financial services. Andy um I'm keen to bring you in because I could see you sort of agreeing furiously with the points that um, our other guests were making what what, what are your uh, what are your thoughts here in terms of how things are maybe just sort of starting to evolve and how consumers are starting to sort of engage
3: Yeah, uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was furiously agreeing with uh, Jasper on on the time it takes for somebody to transfer a pension at the moment is completely dependent on uh, the company transferring the pensions, so the incentives are completely not in the favor of the customer. You know, if the customer wants to transfer, it can take, uh, you know, up to six months is uh, on occasion a good outcome for some people, uh, which is disgraceful. Um, I think, I guess the bit I would add uh, to to Alex's response is um, I completely agree that the, the consumer is starting to be shaped more by other industries, which is great to see, which is kind of how disruption happens in the first place. But... Things like interactions with Robin Hood or bank accounts, they're a lot more frequent, whereas kind of the life cycle of a pension um, can be kind of 20, 30 years. People kind of have historically put it aside and then left it for a while. Particularly, you know, it wasn't long ago. My father's generation went to a company and stayed there for life. That, that was the aim of, of my kind of my working class father's generation. That's what they did. Um, so you didn't need to worry about pension consolidation. Uh, whereas kind of the, the, the pension consolidation, uh, tooling that's now available in, in Wealthify and our Jasper's, uh, company do a, a great job as well. Um, that's helping people kind of adapt to the new reality that you have lots of multiple jobs during your career. And, and actually you don't want lots of, uh, funds in the background, which by the way are, are generally on higher fees than your current, uh, employer. Um, and that kind of mixing of, of other industries, having new consumer journeys and uh, kind of the demographic change of people having multiple jobs is starting to really drive change in pension in the pension industry.
0: Yeah. And and then sticking with you on that, Andy, because that's a really interesting point. Obviously you've got sort of um, lots of potentially disparate pension pots from different employers and you start, you risk kind of losing track of those. So does that then um, offer a sort of entry point and a point of disruption for providers like yourselves to come in and actually. Sort of, I know obviously what you're saying about um, that the touch points aren't as frequent, but I suppose that acts as a natural sort of touch point with consumers to say, actually, um, let's sort of merge these, let's get these all in one place.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll take it a step back from that. I don't think the financial financial education in the UK is very good at all. We don't learn about anything like that at school anymore since it was dropped from home economics like about 30 years ago. We're not taught about budgeting, we're not taught, taught about talk about pensions. So it's not really to you get to work um, and, and then start talking to your friends and families and, and your neighbors about things who've always done it in a certain way anyway. Um, so unless you've got a big enough pot to be accessed, uh, to have access to a financial advisor, you generally go with what other people do. Um, it's only people that actually have the, re- uh, the time and confidence to research other options that they're starting to explore uh, the new options out there, um, and actually, you can save a shedload of money uh, by getting um, access to to a, to a fund that that tracks uh, that, that invests in funds that track similar funds that you're investing. But the fee could be best like half half the amount. If you're in a if you're earning kind of like two and a half percent fee in your old pension, and you can get that for for one percent or less over 20 years, you're talking about 30, 40 percent of your pension pot that could otherwise be yours that you're losing to an old pension provider. I don't. I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think we're kind of taught about it enough to realize that you're losing that much of your pension by just not doing some simple research.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and actually it's really nice linking the sort of financial education, financial literacy piece to confidence because I think actually a lot of people fall at that first hurdle. Jasper, again, I could see you sort of furiously uh, in agreement, keen to bring you in and get your thoughts.
2: Um, I think in terms of the, the fees, absolutely. I think consolidation of your old pension pots and bringing them together often can mean savings in terms of the way you manage your investments, but also the choice you've got um, uh, in terms of managing that. So saving, but also you've got everything together. You don't lose track. I mean, we've got maybe up to 11 jobs Uh, in our working life? Are you telling all your 11 providers when you move house that you've moved? uh, Are you going to tell them? No, of course you don't. So you're going to lose track of them. So there's lots of benefits. I think what's really interesting to see, and that excites me, and that's why I'm still in the industry and I'm working uh, on, uh, you know, we're building a pension company you can believe in at B in that sense, is the fact that there is a trigger point. So moving jobs, move your pension with you is absolutely a trigger point. And a lot of people will um, they will start to get, take an interest at this. And uh, that's that's a great start. But there needs to be more than just that little, tr- that trigger point. So they will start men- uh, transferring one or or two smaller posts over. They will see that one provider might transfer their pension in seven days and another provider might take three months. And they think, hey, what's going on? And actually what we've noticed, people are getting determined because there is this really nice, I wouldn't say nice shiny product at the end of the, of the tunnel, which is of course the Pension B app or the Wealthify uh, product in the UK, lots of the new providers coming on stream. But we, do, we do start to see that determination of customers that they actually wanna move away from this old dread, dreadful legacy stuff and moving it into something that actually makes them very happy suddenly a cold product like a pension product i mean how boring is it we can turn it into a really nice exciting experience and suddenly they see what they've got and suddenly they add contributions and it's been it's a learning curve then you've got the sudden uh, then your market markets might have a blip we had brexit we've had covid now we've got a uh, current unlooming recession pension balance go up and down the first time they see that in real life because we provide a life pension balance that's very unnerving the next time they're actually educated and they know okay this is actually quite normal this is what i would expect a pension to behave so i agree with, with and on, on, on that front that people haven't really been educated about how this actually works we're taking them on this journey the trigger point is often moving jobs and then we we educate them and move them almost take them by the hands and turning into into a really exciting experience. So on one hand, that's actually really hard. And that's, that's why I think not a lot of companies are doing this successfully. But the ones who do, have, there's a great opportunity there. And I think, you know, we will get to it a bit later on in our discussion. Um, I think that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's where I think the pot of gold is, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think what's coming out really strongly as we sort of go through this from all the members of the panel is just that real sense of the the power in that education to really sort of like empower consumers and, and sort of oh like really ultimately sort of give them better financial well-being, better retirement, all of that sort of stuff. So it's really positive disruption in that sense. I'm gonna move us on to the the next segment of our show, which is um now that we've had a, a chance to look at the things that are sort of, I guess, standing in the way of pension offerings. Um you know, let's get into, you know, from from each market what we think is currently uh working well. So I suppose following a, a similar format to the previous segment, Alex probably start with you again here. What's been some of the the biggest developments, the the standout things that, that you've seen that are going some way now towards sort of improving the pension experience um in in, in sort of I guess Canada, North America. Yeah,
4: if I think of uh, the U.S. to start there, uh, probably the most uh, exciting development in the last couple of decades has been the introduction of of both auto enrollment and uh, the state sponsored plans. Uh, So a number of states and in some cases cities have introduced plans that become kind of a default plan that employers have to enroll their employees into with an option to opt out. And that's starting to have a really big impact on coverage and also uh, start to create it as a default that you have to have some kind of a plan at work, whether it's the state-sponsored plan or a plan through a private provider. So that's fueling innovation. And we're seeing that a lot of the people that are joining uh, new plans are joining uh, fintechs uh, as opposed to legacy providers because they're much better able to serve that SMB customer. Uh, In Canada, we don't have that yet. I mean, we're hoping to see more of that type of regulatory change. One positive change we've seen in Canada is there's a benefit, a government benefit called the Canada Pension Plan, which governments recently decided to enhance by about 50%. So people will be contributing more into it, but it's a very solid foundation for people's retirement security. Uh, The average middle-class person still needs to save more on top of that, uh, but it does increase the amount of guaranteed uh, income in people's uh, retirement as part of people's retirement wealth, and, and that's a positive
0: yeah it's really interesting that that sort of top down sort of mandate is meeting that sort of bottom up disruption what you're saying about those uh those sort of fintechs just being better placed better able to service the needs of those those smb customers sort of meeting in the middle and that's uh that's really nice um jasper i guess the same question to you what are, what are some of the the real standout things that we're seeing in the uk that are really sort of driving this space forward
2: I mean, I can't, like Alex, uh, 100% same here in the UK. Auto-enrollment has been quite a game changer in terms of the fact that people now, almost everybody will now have a pension. And it's not just this kind of like fake, uh, opaque kind of product that sits in your pension drawer um, uh, that's difficult to understand. It becomes quite vanilla mainstream products that you've got through your employer. Um, So I think that's one thing I've seen. The other thing I quite like is that both Andy and I are currently advertising on the London Tube. Um, so you go on the on the Tube train and uh, Andy's pension swipe to the right, I think, not the left, it's to the right, isn't it, um, uh, to open a Wealthify pension and us building pension confidence um, campaign. So there's much more visibility about, hey, you can actually do this. You can do something. And I, like us doing it alone would be quite hard and it's quite nice that there's now a couple of really nice players coming onto the market, really bringing this now to life. So we've got people's attention now is what we do with it is the next thing, next thing uh, uh, to succeed. So those are my two takeaways. Yeah,
0: that that visibility and almost that sort of like ubiquity point going back to what we talked about in the previous segment, I think it's really going to help to drive that conversation forward. Um, Andy, any anything else would you agree with uh, the points that Jasper made
3: yeah I completely agree with Jasper again uh, I mean, we're pretty much on the same vein here I okay. only 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 bit i would add is i think kind of the onset of big data is actually helping all industry um to get customers to engage more in the uh, in their pensions as well so you know whether it be on the kind of esg front where where people can actually see what their pensions are invested in um There's been a real big push for kind of ethical investments uh, and investment uh, ethical pensions recently, but I really like the kind of drill down capabilities as well. I I talk to my like twelve year old daughter about pen, uh, pensions and investments, and you know eyes glaze over, not really interested. I, I kind of talk around the fact that she owns a part of Apple, and she's like, oh, really? Oh, I own the part of the company that invest like I've created my iPhone that I spend a hundred percent of my day on, and it's yeah, you know, it's it's. Kind of the, the 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 data set we have now links back into that empowering piece uh, you, you mentioned at the start. It's giving people data to be able to make better decisions.
0: Yeah, two two points in there, I guess, Andy, that you made that um, I really like. One, I suppose, is is the point that you made about how you frame that conversation. You know, it's not necessarily let's talk about a boring sort of old school analog financial product which is a pension but like you said it's let's frame that conversation let's contextualize it in a way that people find interesting right because that's going to lure people in anyway but then i think the other point that you made that um is really nice in another way to sort of draw people in and maybe where we are seeing disruption um, and alex maybe get your thoughts on this is being able to um actively align the pension funds and and what you invest into your values like esg being a, a really good example
4: yeah i think we're we're seeing we are seeing more consumer interest in in what's held uh, within their their portfolios um, i'm I'm a little bit skeptical that people are uh, actually willing to sacrifice returns for esG I think most people are still primarily interested in you know kind of how their uh, their investments are going to deliver against their financial objectives and uh, I'd say the 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 main way we're trying to get people engaged is in the planning conversation more so than in understanding the details of their portfolio so you know, we have a real focus in our platform about how much uh, income is are your investments going to generate in retirement, and trying to engage people in kind of updating those planning assumptions and planning goals on a regular basis, uh, so that they devote a bit more share of mind to something we think they actually are interested in, which is their retirement and what they're going to do, you know, at the, at that time of life. Yeah. Um, it is it, it can be a bit of a challenge, but but we find that that our customers are are, are interested in
0: that piece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, almost just framing it in the context of lifestyle and what kind of lifestyle do you want to lead? How do you maintain that lifestyle, that sort of stuff? So yeah, again, I think coming back to that point about um, just contextualizing it, making it relevant. Jasper, are there aspects? I know we've talked a lot about disruption and it's easy to sort of over-index on new players coming to market. Are there aspects of what the sort of established traditional players, incumbents have done in this space um, that you think have been positive that have sort of fed into positive disruption
2: or innovation? Hmm. Shall I do a list, Ross, and just keep an awkward silence <laughs> for like five seconds? Um, I would say not a lot, but there are some takeaways. Um, I think one of the things that uh, I think incumbents or traditional pension banks do really well is bring stability, design products that are um, that help you to grow your money over time. They are structured as retirement products, tremendous amount of experience there, um, um, also tremendous amount of um, assets under administration, a lot of pension money being managed. So that part, I would say, is positive. So for example, PensionBee doesn't manage money ourselves. We don't manage money ourselves. We work with BlackRock, State Street, Legal in general, and HSBC. So I think in that sense, relying on um, bigger players or more traditional partners is good. Um would say the consumer, the, the, the direct-to-consumer or the, the the relationship building with the customer, the engagement with the customer, uh, I wouldn't take too much from them, to be fair.
0: Yeah, Andy, I guess sort of coming to you with that sort of same question, what are your sort of thoughts, anything you'd you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I think... We're all we're all in the same game, right?
3: Whether you're in a, um, a kind of traditional pension provider or or a, or a disruptor, we're all wanting to get the best outcome for for consumers. I think the traditional providers have have uh, led the way for for the last uh, kind of hundred years or so on kind of creating a very secure uh, market where people trust pension providers. Uh, they know that if they put their money away, they're going to get it back at the end um of their of their working life i think it's helped develop the regulatory regime which you know isn't perfect but it's it provides a good framework for for newcomers to come and uh, enter the market and uh the traditional players are generally the ones that's created the the workplace pension schemes historically um, so there's a there's a lot of good in there everyone's after the same consumer outcomes but as with everything at uh, time times move on i think what the disruptors have as an advantage whilst they may be smaller, is they have um, access to newer tech that a lot of the old players don't have, and so we can create better customer journeys. We can create slightly, uh, like more engaging um, product propositions that create a, a different conversation that we've talked around uh, today. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's like the old school are bad and the, and the new school are good. It's, it's just um, we're all after the same, we're all after the same goals, which is good customer outcomes. It's just different. Uh, different time periods have led to different outcomes.
2: I would dare to say that Pension B would not have been at the size as as we are today with the help of the money managers we work with. So the the trust building, would you trust your life savings with a startup? I would not. So why would I ask my customers to do so? So being able to rely on money managers like the ones I've just mentioned has been hugely uh, beneficial in building a Pension Brand, you can believe in 100%. Um, It's just that, in terms of customer engagement, that's why I really, it's not just the tech, it's the customer engagement where, and I've mentioned the word laziness uh, at the start of our conversation. It's just sending out an annual pension statement letter that seems to be enough in terms of building engagement. We can do better than that. And I think newcomers like us, and the WealthFi, I think, will have a much better ch- chance of building that that engagement with customers. Yeah, it's it's really nice to think
0: about it in terms of, you know, the roles that the different providers play in how they, I think, to Andy's point, how they drive those outcomes for those end consumers. I think that's a much nicer, sort of, I suppose, more collaborative way of thinking about it rather than sort of this person versus this person. All right. Okay. We're just going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back very shortly.
1: The rise of data-driven financial services has opened up new ways for banks and lenders to better connect with their customers and offer exceptional user experiences. But to take advantage of these opportunities, we need to break away from traditional constraints. A new report from Tink shows how open banking can pave the way for faster and more responsible lending practices that are robust on risk and financially inclusive. To find out how Tink can help you transform lending, read the full report at tink.com forward slash 11FS.
0: Okay, welcome back. Um, We're now going to move on to look at what the future might hold uh, when it comes to pension and what we hope the future could be. So what's the one thing our panelists hope to see in the pensions industry in the future? So Alex, uh, start with you here.
4: Well, I would go back to a regulatory change that I would like to see, you know, Canada make, which is to make it uh, a default setting that that everybody be be offered a retirement plan through their work. Um, that has been very successful, I think, in the UK and the US and Australia and lots of other markets. And uh, Canada's a little bit behind, but hopefully we can learn from some of our our, our uh, peer countries and uh, give everybody that that default access with the option to to opt out.
0: Yeah, I guess the one good thing about being uh, that little bit behind us, there's lots of learnings um, and best practices that you can you can take from what others have done, right? But uh, yeah, no, really, really nice point. And I know we've talked about the uh, really the impact that that's delivered in in some other markets like the US and the UK, so a really important one. Andy, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I I think that we're
3: kind of heading in the right direction. Uh, we'd like to get there a bit quicker, but um, kind of, the, the, the guts of the pension product, uh, is good, better access, quicker ability to transfer, um, are, are key things. I, I'd love for a centrally led, uh, system or set of rules that mean that pension transfers don't take like 30 days, which is a good outcome, uh, six months if it's a bad outcome or more. And there should be a, a very, you think about how quickly you can, um, switch your bank accounts nowadays that was a that was a kind of centrally uh government led regime where you can switch your bank accounts in a matter of days it should be mandated for the pension industry as well I think when we get to a point where uh, that is as executable at speed and simplicity uh, as as where we've got to with the with the bank accounts uh, then I think we'll be in a good place
0: yeah it's a it's God, it's, it's a really interesting point and again something that has been done. As you mentioned, Andy, in the current account space, so something that shouldn't be, you know, a million miles away, sort of dreamland for the pension space, right? Something that should be quite achievable.
3: It's, it's a lot harder for the pension, for the for the current accounts. You've got like what 20, 30 direct debits to go yeah. and sort out. You've got one. You've got one thing to transfer um, for a pension. It should it should be simple. But it, it's as as Jasper said um, earlier on. It, it's not being made simple. Um, and it's because the incentives aren't aligned. They're, they're aligned behind the, the current provider rather than the customer.
0: Yeah. Interesting, which is always, um, which is an imbalance, I suppose, that we see quite, or at least a, a misalignment that we see quite often. Jasper, I can see your uh in furious agreement.
2: Well, we are due to launch our 10-day switching guarantee campaign very soon. Um, because I think, uh, just like Andy said, like, it's actually ridiculous that, I mean, you have to transfer one sum of money. Uh, We're not talking about cancelling direct debits and moving everything around. So I think that's one thing that I would love to see happening. Uh, Can I just take it one one notch up uh, in terms of what I think a good pension, what the pension of the future should look like? And actually it's a pension that you have just like your bank account. So it's your long-term savings account. If I join an employer, I would give my bank account for my salary. I would love to give my pension account for my pension. And that so then I end up not with multiple pension pots. It's called pension follows the pension pot follows member uh, approach, which is a bit of a jargony, But that was abandoned by pension providers because, um, well, for various reasons. But I would say that would be perfect because we are going towards individual pension pot savings, not communal-based uh, uh, schemes, and therefore um, having that pension pot for life. Because otherwise you end up transferring every time a mini pot. From your employee into a new pension pot. It's not working. It's not working for the auto enrollment provider financially, I think. But also, it's just an extra admin work that we don't really need. And what it will give you is more choice um, and more more choice in terms of how your money is invested, etc., um, etc. Et and I think the more competition would follow. That would be my future goal: how a pension pot should look like. See your pension alongside your today's money. So your tomorrow money alongside your today's money in your ma- in, in your banking app or your money app. So you can see your credit card, your bank account, oh, your pension account. Because so let's face it, I'm 44. You wouldn't say it, right? But I'm 44. I can access my money from the age of 57 in the UK. I mean, that is basically a long-term uh, savings account, isn't it? But the most ridiculous tax uh, benefits uh, you can get, like it's the most tax-efficient way to save for a happy retirement. So... Suddenly, that having that personal account for life with a provider of choice, and having your money that balance available alongside all your other financial products—that's what for me a good pension should look like. And there's no paperwork in sight.
0: Yeah, and listen—you know—we've we, we, come back to it time and again. I think throughout the show, this idea of, of of improving customer outcomes, and and that would be a great customer outcome. Like we said, you know, and feedback into furthering that conversation is being able. Jasper, like you said, to to sort of see them side by side. One one thing that I'm I'm sort of keen to explore, and maybe we we do these together or we do them um sort of side by side as one. The impact of sort of rising inflation on pensions. Maybe Alex, I'll come just for your thoughts on this. And then what that means as well for maybe um pension funds investing in sort of alternative digital assets. So we are seeing, I know, a rise of um a rise in, in pension funds, investing in cryptocurrencies and that sort of stuff. So up to you whether you want to take those two together or separately. Um, but yeah, interested in your thoughts. Yeah,
4: certainly the the impact of inflation is being being felt in savings rates, um, I think in, in a number of countries, right? Uh, as people get squeezed, um, I think in Canada, we saw the biggest quarterly decrease in household wealth since 2008. And when people look for for additional money, often that does come out of their their retirement savings. So there's, you know, that's one way I, I guess of, of of looking at it. Um, the labor market, at least here, continues to be very tight. So a lot of small and mid-sized employers are looking to enhance their benefits and are looking to enhance their compensation as well. So it kind of cuts both ways in terms of the industry. And we are seeing a lot of small and medium employers seeing kind of a retirement benefit as a cost-effective way of providing that competitive compensation uh, at a time when employees are looking looking for more. Um, in terms of digital assets and cryptocurrency, um, we've been pretty cautious on that. So we don't allow uh, members currently to to invest in crypto. Uh, our current view is that the the risks of that outweigh the the benefits, uh, both from an employer perspective and from a plan member perspective. Uh, so that's that's where we're landing on that that issue for the time being. But it's obviously a fast changing space and something that we'll continue to monitor.
0: Yeah. No, that that makes perfect sense. And Andy, of course, um, in, in terms of putting the the UK lens on that question, obviously we had a, our own sort of. I was all, I was going to call it a mini crisis. Actually, I think it was a full blown crisis um, with <laughs> with with pension funds in response to the the new chancellor's mini budget. What are your sort of thoughts on what's going on at the minute? Yeah, I think you know tra- trade volumes
3: are quite low. So when when something comes out of the blue, um, it, it has a, a multiplicative effect. And that's what we're seeing in the market at the moment, lots of lots of volatility, I think to kind of answer your earlier question, um, inflation overall should start in the long term in, in, in inflate uh, dividend outcomes for customers, which should inflate equities. But what we're seeing at the moment is highly unexpected inflation, um, which, which people are then worried is going to turn into a uh, recession on the back of it, uh, increasing interest rates so you, you, you're kind of creating sh- sh- uh, lots of shorter-term volatility uh, from, from what's happening. And higher interest rates impact bonds. And, and most um, kind of investment strategies or traditionally investment strategies have been equities and, equities and bonds. So I think people are starting to look at alternatives because the, the traditional like equities and bonds structure hasn't performed well this year. Uh, but, but the kind of crypto assets... Uh, blockchain-based investments—they've been around for longer than just this year. Um, there was a lot of interest, uh, particularly in in last year, when and when people were kind of home during during COVID. And I guess I'm am a bit mixed, really. I think it's awesome that people are getting interested in, in investments and pensions. And if uh, crypto is a way of doing that, then then we should use that to try and get people to to um, continue that engagement. Um, but crypto is highly volatile. And as Jasper mentioned earlier on, we, we're, we're looking at like um, kind of 13-year investments in Jasper's case, 20, 30-year investments For when you're looking at pensions for, for um, some people just getting into it. Um, and as, as, a, as a kind of the discretionary management part of our of our product means, we, we match our investment strategies to people's long-term investment horizons. We're not looking at taking kind of trading gains intraday, day intra-week, intra months as crypto goes up and down. We're looking at what's going to grow over 3, 5, 10, 20 years. Um, and we just don't know enough about crypto yet. So for, for us, it's not in our investment strategy. It's an asset. We will consider it at the right time. Um, but at the moment, it's not got enough data um, and the current volatility is is too high for it to go into our long-term asset mix whilst we're looking at investing people's money for the long-term. But certainly one that We kind of want to get people uh, uh, interested uh, in when they're looking at their total wealth. I think, I guess just to finish off, I think kind of having a a trading element, a speculative element for people that have the cash to do that is really interesting, but you kind of need to do that alongside getting the rest of your building blocks right. You need to have enough uh, money to pay your bills. You need to have a rainy day fund in case something happens, which means you can't pay your bills. Then you need to invest for the long term. I think once you've got those building blocks right, you can then start speculating on um, on, on assets uh, that get you interested in stuff, but you need to get the building blocks right first.
0: Yeah, it's those sorts of like alternative assets as part of a much more balanced portfolio. And like you said, having all of those sort of basic things accounted for. Look, we've um, we've pretty much reached the end. Um, I think we could sort of go on about this for, for some time longer, because we've really that has absolutely flown for me. What I would love to do is sort of quick fire again, if we just sort of go around um, one by one, just going back to our original question, what does a a perfect pension offering look like? Um, and it'd be also helpful maybe if you could just put a lens on it around sort of how achievable um, it is that we're talking about, or how achievable maybe it should be with a little bit of imagination. Um, so Jasper, I'll start with you.
2: Well, the one I just described, I think I was maybe on an inflatable unicorn, so maybe a slightly more toned down <laughs> version might be uh, quite, uh, quite much better. I think an ideal pension product is uh, one that you can understand, uh, you can engage with, you can see that alongside your other financial products, uh, and it helps you to plan for a happy retirement. So simple and makes you happy to plan for a happy retirement. Nice. Love
0: that. Um, Alex, let's come to you.
2: Um,
0: I'll, I'll double down on Jasper's
4: point about something that people can wrap their heads around. I think that's incredibly important and often overlooked. Uh, we sometimes in our industry have this pursuit of sort of the actuarially perfect pension. And uh, if people don't get it, if they won't engage with it, if they won't enroll, then it's it's kind of pointless. Um, but coming back to the math part, I do think there's an important piece. and The way we look at it is... How efficient is the vehicle in turning savings today into income tomorrow? Uh, And it's not just about accumulating assets. It's also about finding an efficient way of turning them into retirement income, which is a notoriously complex problem. So I think if you have a simple to understand vehicle that's very efficient at that, uh, that is ideally, you know, as Jasper was talking about, the inflatable unicorn of, of lifetime portability, uh, I think, is something worth pursuing. Uh, there's some complexity around payroll and the whole financial system and everything like that, but uh, it's something that's very, very important because there's a lot of value attached to that. And uh, ultimately, something, you know, we, we know that it's possible to, 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 because retirement is one of the most expensive things in life, it's possible to make it far, far cheaper, you know, three to four times cheaper, according some stu- to some studies we've done. So that's something that's worth putting some
0: real effort into. Yeah. Nice, nice. room to um, sort of improve there. Um, Andy, uh, final final word to you on this. Yeah,
3: I'm just going to echo what the boys have already said. Um, simple, accessible, and engaging. I think we're doing a good job so far uh, disrupting the space on simplicity uh, and accessibility across all of our um, companies. Um, engaging uh, is, is also good, but I think there's probably more room to, to kind of really excel on that in the coming years.
0: Yeah. Which is a nice way to leave these shows, isn't it? It's kind of like lots done, more to do. That feels like quite an optimistic um, place to be. Okay, that wraps up um, today's discussion. So look, thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, where can people find out more about you and about your companies? Um, let's go reverse order this time, Andrew. Start with you. I uh, just go to the Wealthify website. Excellent. Everything you, know you need's on there.
4: Perfect. Alex? So we're at CommonwealthRetirement.com and on Twitter
2: at CW Retirement. Excellent. And Jasper? PensionB.com or download the PensionB app or on Twitter at PensionB.
0: It's all the same. Excellent. <laughs> all right. And you can find me at RossGallagher07 on Twitter or 11fs.com. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you've liked what you've heard, do subscribe to our podcast. Uh, Don't forget to leave us a review. Um, It really does help us to make the show better and it also helps other people to find it. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or FinTech Insider or email podcast at 11FS.com. Thanks very much.
1: Goodbye.